Turning your Bibles, please, to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. I'd like to read the first four verses. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at sundry times in divers manners spake, in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, who being in the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Turn on over, if you would, please, to verse 14, same chapter, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray these next few moments now that you'll give us the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to understand thy word and to rejoice in it and how you take care of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was, me and Brother Barry was just discussing some of this a few minutes ago, but I thought about this thing, uh, this terrible storm coming and how it looks like that God just got it away from Florida and up that way. And there's so much being said about, uh, well, God's wrath on the island over there and God pouring out His wrath with a hurricane and tearing up it and so on and getting people getting killed and some not and some, why is some uh, still alive and some dead and, and they want to blame God for it and, and all these kind of things. Now, now, let me explain something to you before I get started because I want to talk to you about angels in just a few minutes because angels are real. But first of all, God set certain things in motion that cannot be changed. I mean, He made them that way. And for instance, He made the world where it goes around and around and so on. It stays right there. And He, and he says He made the tides and the weather and, and all these things. And so somebody gets struck by lightning, for instance, and out on the beach, they get struck by lightning. Somebody says, well, that was the wrath of God killing them for something they did wrong. No, God said that storms and lightning happens. He's supposed to get out of the way. God set it in motion. has nothing to do with the wrath of God. God set things in motion. For instance, if there's a train coming down the track, and somebody said, well, God's wrath over that man, he lay on the track and got killed by a train. No, all he had to do was get over, the train would have missed him wrath of God, the, the motion that God put in, that train will kill you. And it's the same way when it comes to uh, uh, falling. Uh, you can get up on a 10-story building, and God put in motion, if you jump 10 stories to the ground, you're going to get killed, and so on. Now, so that has nothing to do with the wrath of God. It has to do with man's stupidity of not doing what God told you to do. Now, I believe this, that there, there was people in this storm that probably couldn't have got away. They didn't have a way to get away, okay? 
But also know that God warned them in plenty of time, not just the islands, but all over the place where that storm coming, get out of the way. And so they have a choice. Stay there, suffer, or get out of the way. And so it's not God's wrath and not God doing things to people. It's people doing things against God's will that He puts things into motion and it will happen. Now you can take that to all walks of life and and think about it for just a minute. If you do certain things in this life, you're going to pay for it because God has laws. And if you break those laws, you're going to pay for it. But at the same time, I believe in guarding angels. In verse 4 said, being made much, so much better than the angels, talking about Jesus, as he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Then in verse uh, 14, uh, uh, let's see, verse 14 is, uh, he talks about angels again, and he says, they are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Here's what I liken it to. Uh, for instance, I pulled out here to the road the other day, here a while back, and I started just pulling out, you know, pull out, and you look to the left, and you know car coming, it's supposed to be, but I didn't look to the right, you know, and I figured, well, they ain't supposed to cross that yellow line out there, and so I just started to turn something and said, stop. And I stopped, and the car come out around another, and went right by me, it would kill me if I'd have pulled out there. Now, I honestly believe something stopped me from going out there. And I believe it's one of God's angels watches over me. And I could go through, I could tell you story after story, and I know you can too. If you think back, many times that you almost got killed and something kept you from it. So we know that there are angels. Now, what I want to talk to you about is, I want to magnify the name of the Lord Jesus, not the angels. The whole thing, the whole Bible, everything in this world is given to us for one thing and one thing only. And that is to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. And because when we realize how great in these creatures, angels that God made, created, they're terrific beings. And when you think about the, the greatness of these beings, and then the Bible says, and so much better is the Lord Jesus. And so what he's doing is showing us these angels for one reason, that we might see how great they are and then say Jesus is greater. And so he is the greater. But here's what I want to talk to you about. Number one, angels do exist. Angels are mentioned in 34 books of the Bible. Think about that. Some 273 times in all, all through the Bible. 108 times in the Old Testament, 165 times in the New Testament. So God wants us to know something. He wants us to know that there are things called angels. Number two, how many angels are there? In Psalm 68, verse 17, the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. In Hebrews 12, verse 22 says, But you are coming to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. So we know according to the Bible that you can't even number the angels. There's so many of them. Number three, where did angels come from? Or who created them? Angels are like everything else in the universe. 
And they were made by God the Father through Jesus Christ in the energy of the Holy Spirit according to Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. So we know that God created them. Uh, number four, how did they originate? Angels, like men, are, were created by a special act of God. They did not evolve into being. In Psalms 148 verse 2 and 5 says, Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he has commanded, and they were created. So we know that God created angels. Now, each angel is a direct creature from God, then, a creation from God. That is why they are referred to in scriptures as sons of God. In Job chapter 1, verse 6, and Job chapter 2, verse 1. Now, the word son indicates a direct creation of God. Let me show you how that works. Adam is called a son of God in Luke chapter 3, verse 38. Every believer is also called sons of God as they are recreated in Christ Jesus at the new birth. Individuals as sons of God. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, but only Jesus... Uh, Christ is the only begotten Son of God. That's the difference in Jehovah's Witnesses' doctrine and any other doctrine because the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is a Son of God just like me and you're a Son of God. No, we're not. No, He's not. He is the only begotten Son of God. And that's the difference. Only one of them. But there's many of us and we're called sons of God. Their number, once completed at creation, was forever fixed. The Bible never records God making more angels. And Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 30, they do not reproduce. In Luke 20, verse 36, Jesus said they cannot die. Now, for this reason, angels are called a company of beings and not a race of beings. Number five, where were angels created? Why were they created? They were created to glorify Jesus Christ to minister to the saints of God, according to Hebrews 1, verse 6, Revelation 4, verse 11. Number 6, what is the nature of angels? Hebrews 1, and verse 7 says they are spiritual beings. They can take on the form or body like men. In Revelation 19, verse 10, they eat food. Genesis 18 and Genesis 19. So they're, But they're spiritual beings. They possess personality. No two are alike. They have intelligence. Revelation 19 verse 10. They have a will. In Jude 1 verse 6. They have emotion. Uh, they express joy and desire in First Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. Number 7 or number 8. Because of the fall of Adam, they are superior to man. They are stronger than men. Psalms 103 verse 20. They are smarter than men. Uh, Daniel chapter 9. They're swifter than men. They can fly. Revelation 14 verse 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven. Number 9. They're inferior to God. They cannot be everywhere at the same time as God can. In Daniel chapter 10 tells us that. They can be hindered by Satan. Jude 9. God cannot be hindered by Satan. They're not all knowing. God is. They don't know when Jesus is coming again. Matthew 24, verse 36. 
So they're not all knowing as Jesus is. So they're inferior to God. And since the fall of Lucifer, and number 10, heaven's chief angel now became Satan. There are two classes of angels. There's faithful angels or elect angels, holy angels, Mark chapter 8, verse 38. Then there's another class called fallen angels. There's faithful angels and there's fallen angels. The devil's angels in Matthew 25, verse 41. Now, before we go any further, why God chose to save sinners by His grace? Think about this. Why did God choose to save sinners by His grace? Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 and verse 7 that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now let me ask you a question. If God chose us to save us by His grace for the purpose of showing us to something or somebody, who's He going to show us to when we get to heaven? Now the question is, who is God going to show His grace to in the ages to come? He will show His grace to, uh, to angels. Did you ever think about this? One of these days, you'll have the privilege, the Bible plainly teaches this, Jesus saved by His marvelous grace through faith, and he shed blood, and we'll have the privilege of preaching that to the Lord, to angels, uh, billions of angels. We'll get a chance to preach to them about the grace of God, how He saved our soul. Now, don't forget the reason for studying angels in the first place is to glorify Jesus Christ as their Maker. Jesus is greater than angels. Now, the next thing I want to talk to you about angels is their rank, the archangel. Michael, his name means who is like God. This is opposite of Satan who desired to be like the Most High. Michael is mentioned four different times in the Bible. In Daniel chapter 10, Daniel 12, Jude 9, and Revelation 12. And he helps uh, lesser ranked angels. He's mightier than the rest of them. Then you have Gabriel. His name means the Mighty One of God. He's mentioned 17 times in the Bible, from Daniel 8:16 to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. Another rank of angels is the cherubim. Uh, their description is given in Ezekiel 1, verse 4 through 28, and Ezekiel 10, verse 1 through 22. Each one of these cherubims, each has four faces, as a man, as a lion, and as an ox and as an eagle. Each has two pair of wings. One pair is spread out from the middle of the back. The other pair is used to cover their body. They're, these wings, the Bible says, make a noise like uh, waves crashing upon the seashore. They have legs of men, but feet like calves. They shine as burnished brass. They have four human hands with one located under each wing. They travel in groups of four. Their outstretched wings of each chairman touches those of the other three companions so that they form a, a square that they move without turning their bodies. In other words, each face faces a different direction and if they, if they move, they go in a direction without turning. They go in another direction, in another direction, in another direction. And that's the cherubims as they travel. What are the duties of the cherubims? They keep Adam from the tree of life. 
after the fall so that he wouldn't eat of the tree of life and live forever in sin. Uh, two golden cherubims were constructed at uh, God's order at, uh, uh, at the end of the top of the ark lid in the tabernacle of the Holy of Holies in Exodus chapter 25. They appeared in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 1. Before he fell, Lucifer, who is now Satan, was a chief cherubim angel, Ezekiel 28. It's interesting to note some say that the great city of Babylon and Assyria stood on the same ground as the Garden of Eden was. And as the cherubim was placed at the entrance of the Garden of the Garden, in like manner the statues, winged bulls, lions, and colossal figures with human faces were standing guard at the entrance of the temple palaces of Babylon and Assyria. They were perverted copies of these cherubims. Then we come to the seraphims, also called the living creatures, Isaiah chapter 6. They have six wings. Two are used to cover their face, two are to cover their feet, two to fly with. The job, it seems, after you read the Bible, is to cry out to all creation the holiness of the Lord, Isaiah 6 verse 3. The awesome sound of their mighty praises shakes the foundation of the heavenly temple. Without ceasing day and night, they proclaim God's praise, singing in Revelation 4 and verse 8, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Amen. Then they are covered with eyes, both in front and behind, Revelation 4 and verse 6. Each of these living creatures in Revelation 4 and verse 7 has a different face. One has the face of a lion, one has the face of an ox, one has the face of a man, one has the face of an eagle. Now, some say that the cherubims and the seraphims are living creatures are the same, but they cannot be because they have four faces of living creatures and so on. They're different in, according to scriptures. But notice something, if you will, the cherubims and seraphims and living creatures are to remind the saved by grace throughout all eternity of the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ because their faces correspond directly to the four Gospels presented in Jesus Christ. Matthew presents Christ as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Mark presents Christ as a lowly ox. Luke presents Christ as a prophet man. John presents Christ as the mighty God-like uh, eagle. Then you have the garden angel in Matthew chapter 18 and Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14. Now, what is the work and ministry of angels? What do they do in heaven? Number one, they worship God, Revelation 4 verse 8. Number two, they watch over the people of God on earth. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, the gospel sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Now, you think about that. I wanted to bring all of that mighty things about the angels that I've studied in the Bible and show you that they are such creatures, and they are living, they are present in this world right today, and, we, and then we find out what are they here for. They're to watch over us. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, uh, notice, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 10, for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angel. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 9, 
where I think that God has set forth us the apostles last, as it were appointed to death, for we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. So uh, we know by 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 9 that as a spectacle, there's a, those angels are watching over us. They watch us all the time. They rejoice in the work of God in uh, Re- Revelation chapter 5. They perform the, the will of God in Psalms 103. Uh, they witness the wrath of God in Revelation 14 and verse 10. Uh, they, their activities on earth. They inform, they instruct, they interpret both the will and word of God. The apostles and Philip and Cornelius and John tells us those things. Number two, they protect. Psalms 34 verse 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Psalms 91 and verse 11. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Angels protected Lot. Angels protected Elisha. They comforted the believer. Acts 27 verse 24. They delivered the believer out of trouble. They ministered to the believer at the moment of death. In Luke chapter 16 verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. They also carry out God's judgment on the, uh, the land. Uh, Revelation chapter 8. All of this now about angels is to say one thing. Hebrews 1 and verse 4. Being made so much better than angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Here's what I want to get to tonight. Don't blame God for man's stupidity. God is greater than angels. But we do have angels that watch over us. And I never will forget this. Y'all heard it a thousand times, I know, but it's a good illustration here. A man was in a flood, and uh, he saw the water coming up. He got on top of the house, and God sent a boat by for some men to help him. He said, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. Y'all go ahead. Later on, he said, a helicopter come by. He said, that's okay. I'm going to be all right. Y'all go ahead. Anyhow, he sent two or three kind of rescue people to try to get him off the roof. The water is fine. They come over the roof and drown him. He went to heaven. He said, I thought God was going to take care of me. He said, I sent three different people by to get you. You think about that for just a minute. And I believe that with all my soul today. God has angels. And they warn us and they guard us. They protect us. And they're all around us all the time. I could give you many, many times that I have come slow, so close to dying. I mean, just right on the verge of dying. And somehow or another, God saved my life. And I know and I had to back away from it. I was coming down uh, 41 years ago pulling a friend of mine's car behind me. had my family and everyone in his family in my truck and his old truck behind me. weren't worth two cents. I had a brand new Ford. And my truck, he jackknifed the thing by swerving, went to sleep, and flipped mine upside down. And my son and my daughter and another man was on the back of the truck in open air and we was all in the front half a dozen of us in the front seat 
And we all kicked out the front window and stepped out on the ground and just sure got one little thing stuck in her leg. And you think about that. How in the world can you have something like that happen and walk away from it? Here's my answer. I'm a child of God. And everyone in that car were children of God. And I honestly believe this. God put His hand on it. And God let one of His angels come down and guide it. And we all walked away. And we marvel at it even to this day and give God the glory for it. And I believe with all my soul, and if you'll think about it, the many times that you've been in dire straits and you can honestly say something watched over me. God took care of me. But if you put yourself in a position that God's laws are required and you disobey them, you're going to pay the price for that. And don't blame it on God. It's your stupidity, not God's. And when I see uh, that these people warn that these mighty things are coming to happen and they do absolutely nothing about it and then they stay there and it happens. One of my neighbors over the lake, he of uh, Michigan, and uh, he, Ohio, I mean, he never been through a hurricane. And so when Charlie went through over there, and uh, there was a 125 mile an hour wind clock right down my road, right over my house. And uh, I, I said, Cecil, don't stay over here now. Come on over here in Tampa and stay with me. And uh, no, I'm going to ride it out. I said, don't do that. Come on over here. I've been through them now. You don't know what you're doing. Oh, we're going to ride it out. So it's four or five of them got in his house, spent the night. And about three o'clock in the morning, he called me. He said, Bridget, pray for me. I just saw a big old tree go by my window. <coughs> I said, I ain't coming to get you now. Hey, dummy, you stayed there. You paid the price. Amen. And I, I honestly believe that. But if you're a child of God, I honestly believe this with all my soul, and I can prove it by the Word of God, God gives us unction of the Holy Spirit to watch what we're doing, to be careful. We're warned all the time how to live, how to serve God, what to do right to keep things happening to us. And if we go against God's laws, then we have to pay the price. And God don't have a thing to do with that. He's already set it in order. Amen? Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll bless your people tonight. We feel so sorry for those people that in those hurricanes and storms and some lost everything, including their lives. And Lord, I pray for them tonight. And I ask you, dear God, that you bless those that are still alive and teach them uh, to reverence you, Lord, in everything. As we see things and tragedies happening and danger, get out of the way and realize that God's in control of everything. Bless us, we pray, in Jesus' name.